Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm your host, David Trotter, and we're here to inspire you to rise up in your life, love, and leadership. Now, as some of you know, when I was 16 years old, my family and I moved from Kentucky to California, and I left behind all the friends that I had developed over the years, even as far back as kindergarten. Now, this was pre-internet or email days, so it was pretty much goodbye. I'm not going to ever see you again. Maybe a letter here and there, doubtful, but then, of course, Facebook came along, and we all reached out to our old high school or elementary school friends and clicked add friend, and you began to stalk them and lurk them if they were not anywhere nearby you, right? That was me. I was all the way in California. Most of my friends were back in Kentucky or back east somewhere. I could see what was going on in their lives, and I ended up going back for my 10-year high school reunion. But for a lot of those friends, I haven't even talked to them in 30 years. Well, that is until today. I had the opportunity to speak with a junior high and high school classmate who is now a famous author. Her name is Cameron Huddleston, and it was weird to talk to her after all these years. I could hear her voice in my head, even though I hadn't talked to her in 30 years. It was absolutely nuts. She is an award-winning journalist with more than 17 years of experience writing about personal finance, and her work has appeared in Kiplinger's Personal Finance, Business Insider, Chicago Tribune, Fortune, Huffington Post, Money, MSN, USA Today, and many more print and online publications. She's currently the life and money columnist for Go Banking Rates, and she has a new book that's going to be released this month, June 2019, called Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. How to Have Essential Conversations with Your Parents About Their Finances. This book is so good, you guys. You've got to get it. Now, in this episode, you're going to learn fears that adult children have about talking to their parents about finances. I didn't really need to read about those because I already knew them like the back of my hand. How to work with your siblings when broaching the subject and practical tips on how to start the conversation. Now, at the end of this interview, I asked Cameron what she remembers about me from high school, which was fun, and I shared what I remembered about her. I think you'll find that interesting. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Cameron Huddleston. Cameron, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Tell us, why did you write this fabulous book? You know, I wrote this book because I didn't want people to make the same mistakes I did. I like most people, didn't realize that I needed to be talking to my mom about her finances. And I was forced to have these conversations really when it was almost too late. My mother, when she was in her early 60s, started showing signs of memory loss. I was in my early 30s. I still had little kids. And even though I was and still am a financial journalist, I never thought to start asking my mom questions about, mom, where do you stand financially? I had a general idea, but when she started showing signs of memory loss, I realized I need to have these conversations really fast, right away. And one of the first things I did was say to her, mom, we need to go meet with an attorney. We need to get your estate planning documents updated. And we did that, and thank goodness we did. Because if I hadn't done that soon enough, you have to be competent to sign those documents. If you're not, then no attorney is going to let you sign away, you know, power of attorney, you know, healthcare power of attorney, sign a will. And as a child who had to help a parent manage her finances, 
if my mother had not named me power of attorney and healthcare power of attorney while she was still competent, I would have had to go through very expensive, drawn out legal proceedings to get that power. And it's just, it's a situation that no family should ever have to go through. And, you know, as I was managing my mom's finances and she was getting older, I was getting older, my friends started having the same issues with their parents. No one was having this issue when they were in their 30s like I was. I had no one to turn to for help. And so I figured it out on my own. And then my friends started coming to me. And as I was getting more and more questions, I realized, you know what? No one has to go through this alone like I did. I'm going to help people. I'm going to write a book and explain to them how to have these conversations, how to get over their fears, what to ask, and, and, and explain all these legal documents that people need to find out if their parents have them and walk them through the process and then help them figure out what to do if their parents don't want to have these conversations because not every parent's going to want to talk about their finances with their kids. Absolutely. So first of all, amazing book. Absolutely an amazing book. I, uh, I was, you know, I'm reading through it. I didn't read every word, but I, I read a ton of it and, um, I'm an only child and I, you know, it brought up all kinds of nervousness and anxiety in me. And I'm just, I'm just reading this going, I just want to give you a hug. Like, cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're just going through this terrible time with your mom. And then there's just challenges and, you know, and you're giving so much great information. So, uh, just an incredible resource. You bring up multiple fears that adult children face when thinking about having this kind of conversation with parents about finances and about their will and power of attorney and so forth. And I want to hear your perspective. I'm going to share a couple of these fears that you write about in the book that I'm, I have, I have these fears. So the first one is my parents will think I'm being nosy. Well, what would you, <laughs> what would you say to that? Exactly, because, and this is what I hear all the time, and this is what surveys show, kids don't want to talk to their parents about their finances because they think that mom and dad are going to say, it's none of your business. And certainly there will be some parents who will say that, I'm not going to lie, because there are certainly parents who think that their finances are no one's business, not even their kids. But the good news is, that most parents probably do not think this way. Most parents probably do realize that they need to be having these conversations with their kids. They just haven't gotten around to it because, you know, we're busy. We are all so busy. And, and even parents who've had to help their own parents oftentimes don't even stop to say, oh, wait, I need to be having these conversations with my kids. So a lot of parents really are just waiting for their kids to ask. And they're not going to think that you're being nosy. They're probably going to be grateful that you brought it up because they're going to say, you know what? I've been meaning to talk to you about this. I'm so glad you brought it up. And, you know, for those parents who do say it's none of your business, my book certainly has some tips on walking people through that. But, you know, I will just say kind of briefly here that if you get that sort of response from your parents, you can very politely, gently say, mom and dad, it is my business because someday you might need my help and I want to be able to give you that help. But if we don't have these conversations, I won't be able to help you. Mm -hmm. Things need to be in place. 
And, uh, you know, you got to the end of the book. I got to the end of the book and you re- you reversed roles on me. Like I, you flipped it on me. You flipped the script. And I was like, because basically at the end of the book, you say, hey, and you should be having these conversations with your own kids now. Like, oh man, she got me. She got me good. <laughs> and I wouldn't think that my kids were being nosy. I would think that they were being helpful. Uh, so. Yes. All right. Another fear that I would have is, well, I don't think... I don't have this fear because I'm an only child. So I know I'm getting all of their debt. I meant uh, all of their assets. Uh, my parents will think I'm being greedy. <laughs> um, this is a big one too. And this is this can be a reason why parents don't want to have this conversation times because they don't want to have to talk about what their kids are getting, what they're leaving behind because as an only child, you don't have to worry about it. You're getting everything. But when there are a couple of kids... Sometimes parents might not want to divide it evenly and they don't want to have those conversations because they don't want to tell their kids. Or if they are leaving their kids a lot, they don't want their kids to feel entitled. And so this can be a reason why parents are reluctant. And and kids are, you know, kids might be correct in assuming that their parents might think they're being greedy. But if you approach it very gently, you don't come at them by mom and dad, I want to know what I'm getting. That's the last thing you want to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Again, you want to frame it as mom and dad, I want to be able to help you out. I want to know what your wishes are. There was a young woman I interviewed for my book and they had lost a family friend and that prompted her to have this conversation with her parents. Mom and dad, you have this business. I want to know what your plan is for it going forward if something were to happen to you. And the parents you know, kind of jokingly said, oh, you know, are you trying to, are you trying to get rid of us? And she handled it so well because she said, no, of course not. I just want to make sure that we know what your wishes are. And the parents said, well, you know, why don't we let the attorneys handle this? But then a few months later, they came back and said to her, hey, we met with the attorney. We updated everything. We, we've named you our power of attorney. This is who has to do what and how we divided things up. And so it, it turned out really well. She she was a little bit nervous, but she was a she knew that if she didn't bring this up, her siblings wouldn't. And like I said, her parents kind of joked, but it worked out for the best. Mm, that's good. That's good. Okay, so I think this is more of the concern that I would have is a fear of my parents will be offended, and our relationship will be impacted negatively in some way. Well, what would you say to that? So I hear this all the time because people say, I'm so afraid of having this conversation with my parents. It's so awkward. And and here's what I would say to that, because I want everyone to think back to when you were maybe in high school and all the things you did back then that you knew, you knew we're going to take your parents off because they told you not to do it. Okay. But did it stop us? No, no. Like we knew. If we stayed out too late or dated the wrong person, our parents were going to get mad, right? But did it stop us then? No, you know, we knew we were going to get grounded. We're adults now, okay? If our parents get mad at us, they're not going to ground us anymore. <laughs> right, <laughs> but it's, right. <laughs> you know, what are we so afraid of, really? You know, we're not going to get in trouble the way we did when we were a kid and it didn't stop us then. We probably have a much better relationship with our parents now. Most of us, not everyone. And if you have a strong, loving relationship, 
your parents might feel a little bit of awkwardness when you bring the topic up, but they're not going to stop loving you. They're not going to hate you. They're probably not going to blow up. And they're certainly not going to say you're grounded, go to your room. (laughs) That's just not going to happen. So as long as you approach this as a loving child who is talking to your parents out of concern for their well-being, they're not, they should not get mad at you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you also bring up in the book a bunch of fears, a number of fears that parents may have uh, in through this whole process. So can you walk us through some of those? Yes. And so probably the biggest, and this really applies to our generation, we're Gen Xers. Our parents are, you know, in their 70s already, and they were probably taught, you don't talk about money. Right. And they taught us the same thing. I grew up in a proper Southern home and my father used to always say, don't talk about money. It's Mm. impolite. Mm. And you might've heard the same thing too. A lot of people in our generation heard this. And so that's the big fear that our parents have. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't want to talk about money because they've always been told it's taboo. They told us it was taboo. And If you're going to talk to your parents about their finances and you know that they think money is a taboo topic, Mm -hmm. you don't want to make the conversation initially about money. Mm. You don't want to come to them and say, hey, mom, I want to talk to you about your finances. Mm -hmm. Don't Don't even use that word. You say, hey, mom and dad, and you ask about a big picture topic. You know, I'd I'd love to, you know, kind of, if they're still younger and they haven't retired yet. I'd love to kind of, you know, get an idea of what you think your retirement's going to look like. You know, what does that look like for you? Or maybe if they're already in retirement, just, you know, kind of in general, you know, mom and dad, how's retirement going for you? Are you loving it? Is it as good as you thought it was going to be? And they might say, no, it's been really difficult, you know, or they might, you know, kind of, you know, avoid the topic a little bit, or you can kind of talk about some of those it's it's touchy, but you know, those end of life things, you know, come at it like mom and dad, I want to know what your wishes are. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you ever need any sort of care, you know, I want to be able to, to be, provide that sort of care that you want, not mom and dad, let's talk about your finances. Mm-hmm. So don't make the conversation about money. Talk about bigger picture issues. And then if they're willing to talk about that, then kind of slip in the financial side of things into your questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So parents could feel like taboo subject. Um, I, I loved how you likened this subject to sex, you know, that parents oftentimes didn't even want to talk about sex or maybe they give you a book. Yes. Um, but, you know, now let's not even talk about money. Um, it seems like we live in a culture now, though, you know, 30 years later where it's a bit more open. Like we're talking, you know, how about yourself? How do you talk to your kids? I won't ask you about sex. Uh, about uh, how do you, how do you talk to your kids about money these days? How how have you impact you know how have you um, brought that up in the context of your home? We're very open, you know, and it's okay. I don't mind talking about the sex aspect because it's really funny. Because the website that I write for Go Banking Rates, I had them do a survey on talking to parents about money, and the and the crazy thing is that they found that about. I don't know, 10% of adults would rather talk to their parents about their parents' romantic life than talk to them about their finances. That is, <laughs> that is not the case with me. There's no way. <laughs> I know it. Like who wants to talk to their parents about their sex life 
more than they would want to talk about money. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that is crazy. That blows my mind that they think money is so taboo that they'd rather talk about their parents' romantic life. You're not going to figure out their financial situation in the same way that we figured out to, you know, have kids of our own. It's, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You'll never figure it out. It'll be too late. No, no, you'll never figure it out. You'll never figure it out. You know, and, and the, certainly you can let your parents know that you realize that this is an uncomfortable topic for them. Mm-hmm. I realize this is uncomfortable for you to talk about, but it's going to be so much more uncomfortable, so much more difficult if we don't have these conversations and an emergency arises mm-hmm. because we're going to be stressed out. We're going to be emotional. And the last thing you probably want to talk about at that time is your finances. Let's talk about a worst case scenario. I know you alluded to it early in our conversation, but worst case scenario, let's just say that. Um, either parents are divorced. So one of, they have separate accounts. Um, and I don't even know what the legalities are. And I don't even know if they're different in every state. You're open my mind up to all kinds of questions. So let's just say they become incapacitated or some way they're not of uh, sound mind, whether it's a car accident or they have a stroke or they have dementia or whatever it might be. And now these are things I hadn't even thought of. They're not able to pay their bills. So mm-hmm. now their bills are racking up or a check didn't get deposited or something. Can't I just call the cell phone company and say, hi, my name's David. I'd like to pay my parents' bill. No, no, they're not even going to talk to you. And I have a great example in my book. Um, A friend of mine, his name is Doug, super financially savvy guy. And he lived states away from his own father. His father was a widower. And when he started realizing that his dad was having trouble with his memory, he, he, he kind of gently tried to broach the topic, but his dad pushed back. And rather than continue the conversation, he dropped it. And then his dad's dementia got worse. And Doug gets a call in the middle of the night from the hospital that his dad is there. He has to get emergency surgery. His dad ends up in a nursing home to recover. And Doug has no way to pay his father's bills because his father never named Doug his power of attorney. Mm. And so Doug, you know, reaches out to the bank and the bank says, I'm sorry, we don't even want to talk to you because you're not your father's power of attorney. Doug has to go to court to get what is called conservatorship for his father. He has to get a neuropsychiatrist to evaluate his dad and spend thousands of dollars on that evaluation. And then he has to get the doctor to testify in court, basically put his father on trial to prove that he is no longer competent. I mean, could you imagine having to do that? Put your parent on trial to prove that they are incompetent. They can't manage their finances anymore. You know, so he has to spend money on court fees, hiring an attorney for himself, for his dad, the doctor, and all the while he's having to pay his father's bills out of his own pocket because he can't access his father's accounts. And and he has to go through background checks and all these interviews to get named conservator. He finally gets approved. It takes nine months. He spends $10,000, a total of $25,000 paying those bills before he can finally, you know, get access to his dad's accounts, get reimbursed for the money that he spent. And then every year after that, he had to file a report with the court saying how he spent his dad's money. 
Because like, he had not gotten initial power of attorney. Yes, because he had not. Because I am my mom's power of attorney. You know, I don't have to file a report with the court system every year. You know, I just have to reach out to all her financial institutions, let them know I'm the power of attorney, send in that document. Sometimes I have to fill out their own documents. It's so much easier, though. You know, and I know people might say, oh, well, it's expensive. I have to pay for those documents. I have to pay to get the power of attorney, the healthcare power of attorney. Yes, you're going to spend a few hundred dollars, maybe a thousand dollars, a little bit more depending on the complexity of your estate plan, but that's not $10,000. That's not $25,000. It's a whole lot cheaper. It's a whole lot easier to get those documents in place because once something happens, you have a stroke, you have dementia, you're in that car accident and you can't make decisions on your own, it's too late. What happens to a family that perhaps doesn't have the financial means to spend $10,000 and pay the bills out of pocket? Like what happens in that kind of situation? You go into debt. The, the, I mean, the, uh, the person who is the kids. incapacitated or the, or the kids. Or, or the, the kids. I mean, the person who's incapacitated, I mean, they, they can't pay those bills. They're no longer able to. And if the kids don't have the power of attorney, the kids are going to have to go into debt. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to rack up the credit card bills. They're going to have to raid their retirement savings to pay those bills until they finally have access to their parents' accounts, you know, to reimburse themselves. And so the thing is too, maybe the parents don't even have the finances, the financial, you know, well-being in the first place to cover mm-hmm. those bills. And the thing is, if you had had these conversations sooner, you might realize that your parents were struggling. You can create, you know, kind of create a plan for how you're going to deal with these situations. Okay, mom and dad, I know that you couldn't afford this sort of thing. Let me, let me take steps to maybe build up my savings now. Let me talk to my siblings so we can all have a plan together so that no one is going to suffer financially, or at least we can limit that financial suffering. Mm-hmm. You just mentioned siblings. I'm an only child. That means I don't have to worry about the siblings, but that also means I also carry all the weight. If somebody is having multiple siblings, how do they initiate that conversation with their siblings? What would you suggest? And this is all in the book, by the way. I mean, it just it's, it outlines it just detailed. And I know I mentioned this in the intro, but just as, as a reminder to you guys, it's called Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, How to Have Essential Conversations with Your Parents About Their Finances. It comes out June 25th, 2019, no matter when you're listening to this. I, even though you sent me a digital copy, I ordered a hard copy just to support you and because I want to hold it in my hands. So back to siblings, how, how should we approach siblings? It is so important if you have brothers, sisters to talk to them, really before you even talk to your parents, because you guys all want to get on the same page. You want to figure out who's going to initiate the conversation with mom and dad. Maybe it's all of you. Maybe it's one of you. You're going to figure out really in advance what roles you want to play going forward. You know, maybe you say, well, okay, we're all going to sit down and talk to mom and dad, but you, Jane, are going to be the person who is going to kind of head everything up. You're going to let mom and dad know that you're willing to be the power of attorney, the healthcare power of attorney, that you're willing to be the one to help them with their finances. I, because I live closer to mom and dad, I'm going to be the one who maybe is going to help them get to doctor's appointments. I'm going to be the one who helps them if they need care. If you can divide up the roles, 
no one has to take on all the responsibility. There will be less resentment. Sometimes that's not possible. My sister lives states away from me, so she can't help with the caregiving from my mother. She How convenient that she moved away. <laughs> She's so lucky, isn't she? She's off the hook. Um, but the thing is, because we talk about these things, it's so important for me because I am managing my mom's finances to let my sister in on what I'm doing so that there isn't any suspicion about how I'm handling my mom's money so that there's not any resentment on her part. There's not any resentment on my part, you know, so maybe she can't, you know, physically help my mother. Maybe she's not the one who's having to handle all her, fi- all her finances, but I can go to her and talk to her and let some steam off, you know, oh my gosh, this has been so difficult. Do you have any suggestions? And she's there for me. So talking to your siblings, because, you know, sometimes you'll find out if you don't have these conversations before an emergency happens and suddenly you all have a difference of opinion on how to handle things, then fights break out. There was someone I interviewed for the book who's, there were three of them and their father wasn't in good health, but they didn't think to talk to their mom beforehand about what she was going to do after their father died, where she was going to live. Once dad died, suddenly there was this panic. (gasps) What are we going to do with mom? Where is she going to live? And they were fighting. You know, one of them said mom should be in a retirement community where she didn't have the responsibility of caring for a home, a yard. The other one wanted, you know, mom to stay in their childhood home. The other one wanted mom to be closer to him. And it didn't end well. It didn't end well. Mom moved into a house that wasn't right for her. And now she's going back to the daughter and saying, I should have listened to you. Mm. I should have moved into the retirement community. The kids all along, though, were having fights. And so really, a lot of this could have been avoided if the kids, as soon as they saw that dad's health was declining, started talking mm-hmm. about what can we do that will be best for mom. Mm-hmm. And your mom is still alive. Is that correct? She's still alive. She's in assisted living. Yeah. And, um, and I know that has been a very challenging experience for you. Um, and I think about this book as a, you know, you start out the book saying that you wrote it in large part to help people avoid having the experience that, you know, you have had. And I just, you know, I just think it's a beautiful gift that you have given the world. You know, I mean, I know that challenging situation with your mom, you know, nobody would want that for anyone. And yet at the same time, what a beautiful gift that has emerged for the rest of the world out of that whole experience. So I just appreciate your willingness to give birth to that gift, you know, for other people. So super, super beautiful gift. Thank Um, you. So what are the things you, you, you mentioned earlier that we should not say, how much are we getting? Okay, that's step number one. Don't ask that. <laughs> step number two, what other things should we avoid saying? What other ways of talking to our parents? You know, if we get heated, what, what are the things that we should avoid? So David, I know that like throughout your career and your coaching, you've focused a lot on relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Couples. And you probably know that when you are talking to your partner or spouse and you're upset about something, you don't want to come to them and say you. You made me mad. You did this wrong. You should be doing this. You want to use I language. Mm -hmm. You want to use I language when you're talking to your parents. I am concerned. It would give me peace of mind if we can have this conversation. Not you should tell me. Mm -hmm. You, you, You say I. 
Now, you want to be careful though, because again, you don't want to look like you're only thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. I am concerned about your well being, mom and dad. I'm concerned about how things will be for you when you're in retirement. I'm concerned about what should happen if there is an emergency and I or my siblings have to care for you. So, you know, I want to have peace of mind and I want you to have peace of mind. And so that's why I think we need to have these conversations and plan. All right. So, so I statements is, is huge. I statements are huge. Yes. And it seems like, it seems like that even writing some of this down ahead of time, uh, you know, the thought process, if yes. you know, I know for me, that would be helpful to kind of see, okay. And you talk about this in the book that is incredible is what is the outcome you want of a conversation? Um, and, and uh, being uh, clear about that. Do you not, you, you talk about that? Yes, I do. And I talk about it, um, when I, when you talk to your siblings, because, you know, yes. if you're going into that conversation and you guys all are on, you know, have on different pages about mom and dad and the type right. of care you think they should get or where they should live. Certainly when you go into that conversation, you know, why are we having this conversation? Because yes. we care about mom and dad. What do you hope to get out of this conversation? Sure. You know, and 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 they might want something different from you, but then you bring it all back to, okay, you want this, I want this, but we need to think about mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, writing down what you hope to get out of the conversation with your siblings, what you hope to get out of the conversation with your parents helps you get clear. And it can also help you remember what the point of this conversation is. You don't want to be... Like I said, you don't want to go in and say, you should do this. You certainly don't want to be condescending mm. with your parents. you know. And, and if they're already older and you see that they're already having some issues, you might, you know, maybe mom and dad have gotten those scam calls and, and you're concerned, but also a little upset mm-hmm. because you're like, oh my gosh, come on. Don't they have a clue that these people are just trying to take their money? So you don't want to take a situation like that and come in and say, mom and dad, come on, you know, mm-hmm. don't you realize these people are just trying to scam you? That's the last thing you want to say. You want to think about if your kids came to you and had this conversation, how would you want them to talk to you? That's a great maybe, way to say it. Maybe mom and dad aren't doing so well anymore. Maybe they're not making good financial situations, financial decisions, but you don't want to point that out. You don't want to be condescending. You don't want to talk down to them. You don't want to even talk to them in the way you might talk to a small child. Oh, mom and dad, I know, you know, things are kind of, you know, getting a little more difficult for you now. No, no, don't talk to them that way at all. Talk to them the way you want your kids to talk to you. Show them respect. They are still your parents. Do not get frustrated. Take a deep breath. (laughs) You know, it's like talking to a teenager sometimes. You have teenagers. It can be very difficult. It can be very frustrating. But as soon as you let your temper get the best of you, you know those conversations are going to go downhill. They're over. They are over. They're over. They are over. Take the same approach with your parents. Because you know what? They might still be thinking of you as that unruly teen who didn't listen to them. You know, you could be a successful 40-something, but in their eyes, you're still that 16-year-old who stayed out past curfew. Mm-hmm. Or, or wasted money. You know? <laughs> or wasted money. Yeah, or wasted it, money. And they're yeah. like, who are you to tell me about how to spend my money? Yeah. I know I made some mistakes, mom and dad. But I've learned from those mistakes, and I want to help make sure, you know, what I've learned, 
I can share that with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like, you know, I certainly don't know more than you, mom and dad, but I have learned some things over the years and I want to share these things that I've learned. So you've, you've given us some tips along the way, but I want to ask real specifically some ways to start the conversation. So you talked about um, what are your plans for retirement? How is retirement going? What are some other kind of nuanced ways to get into this conversation? One of the best ways to start these conversations is to use a story. So you're listening to this podcast now. You go to mom and dad and you say, hey, mom and dad, I was listening to this podcast and there was a woman talking about how her mother developed Alzheimer's and she had not talked to her before she start, her mom started losing her memory. And then as she saw that her mom was having trouble remembering things, she really had to scramble because she didn't know anything about her mom's finances. She didn't know what sort of accounts she had. She didn't know whether she had all the legal documents in place. And because she had, had waited to have these conversations, it was really difficult for her. She really had to kind of just put the together the pieces of her mom's finances like it was a puzzle and she didn't know what that final picture was supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that we never end up in a situation like that, mom and dad. Everyone has a story. You've got someone at work maybe who had to stop working to care for a parent. You've got a friend whose father died and was in a second marriage and didn't have a will. And now the kids are fighting over who gets what. And even if you don't have your own story, you can borrow one. Or, and this might sound a little bit sleazy, but I really promise you it's not. You can make up a story. You can make up a story to fit the sort of information that you want to get from your parents. And, and you don't, th- don't think of it as lying. Think of it as starting a very important conversation that you need to have. Mm. Gotcha. Oh, man. Starting this conversation. I'm just thinking about it already. Um, so what are some things now this is we we've we've gotten into all the ways to start the conversation what not to say we haven't even talked about what you need to know and the the beauty is that's probably you know two-thirds of the book at least half of the book are all of the things that you would need to know from your parents and you break it down so beautifully you give an outline of all those things and then you go step by step each chapter of all the things that you need to know and what you need to do but give people a taste of what's in the book. Because I'm telling you, if you're listening to this podcast, you cannot just take what you've heard here and run with it. You got to get this book because it has so much information in it in terms of what you need to talk to your parents about. So you've mentioned power of attorney. For somebody who doesn't even know what that is, what does that mean? So power of attorney, it's a document. And Really, it's best to meet meet with an attorney to have this document drafted. There are documents that you can get online. You can download from a website such as nolo.com. It's a cheaper option, but really, I do think it's worth the money to meet with someone who does this day in and day out to make sure you... How do I find them? Do I just Google power of attorney in the name of my city? So you want to you wanna find an estate planning attorney. So that's okay. what you're going to Google, estate planning attorney. Ask friends, you know, hey, have you had a will, you know, done? Have you had a power of attorney drawn up? And so, you know, and, and maybe you've done it yourself and you can suggest that your parents meet with the attorney you meet with. So what you do is a, a power of attorney is a document that lets you name someone to make financial decisions for you if you no longer can. And so you want to reassure your parents that just because they name you or a sibling or maybe it's a a close family friend, that doesn't mean that they can step in 
and start controlling their finances right away. And you can tell your parents, mom and dad, you hang on to this document. You tell me where to find it if something happens and I need to step in and start managing your finances for you. You don't have to give it to me because the thing is, you if you are named your parents' power of attorney, unless you have that document, it's not going to do you any good. You can't just call up the bank and say, I'm my mom and dad's power of attorney. They're going to want to see the document. Okay. So your parents don't even have to give it to you. They just need to tell you where it is. If they're, you know, worried that you're going to like get into their bank account and, you know, start stealing money from them, which hopefully, you know, <laughs> hopefully you are a very responsible, you know, honest child who wants to help your parents and you're not going to do that. But if your parents are a little bit concerned Tell them, mom and dad, take this document, have it drafted, put it someplace safe, and tell me where to access. Um, There's also the healthcare power of attorney. Often these documents are called an advanced directive or a living will. And not only do they let you name someone to make healthcare decisions for you if you can't, they spell out your final wishes, what sort of life support you do or do not want. And this is so important because if it's not in writing, then If something happens, if you're in a coma, the last thing you want is for your loved ones to have to make this decision for you. Mm -hmm. It's a terrible position to put anyone in. So you want to make sure you have this document, the advanced directive, or you want to make sure your parents have this document, the advanced directive or the living will, as it's called. Make sure they have a will. So that I've stated in my will, I want to live in a vegetative state as long as possible, drawing upon the emotional well-being of my kids, (laughs) just having them you know, feeling guilty and horrible for the rest of their lives. And spending all your money and all their money to keep you on life support. Exactly. We all want aye, that. Aye. We and all so, want that. Okay. So power of attorney, power, a medical, medical power of attorney. Is that what you said? Healthcare power of attorney. Healthcare it's usually attorney. called an advanced directive or a living will okay. and a will. You want it. This is like, if you're going to find out anything from your Those parents. Those three things. You want to find out if they have these estate planning documents because they are so, so important. As I already explained, you have to be competent when you sign these documents. So if you can find this out, this is like, this is like the key information that you need, but you also want to get a general sense of how they're doing financially, you know, and, and start with that, you know, how are things going in retirement, Mm -hmm. you know, or what does your retirement look like for you? This will give you a good idea of where they stand financially. If you can just kind of ask this sort of question, they might be like, well, you know, we saved really well for retirement and it's paying off for us because, you know, we're not having any issues paying our bills or it's been really tough because we're just relying on social security and, you know, we're not sure if we're going to be able to afford the house. And then that's a red flag for you. We need to start talking more about what we can do going forward. Maybe you need to move into a smaller house. Maybe we need to talk about whether you need to move in with us. You want to find out how they pay their bills. And this is in case an emergency arises. Are the bills on auto pay? Yes. You know, but just in general, are you paying your bills by a check? Or are they getting paid automatically? Because mom and dad, if something happens to you, I need to know whether, you know, your electricity is going to stay on in your house. I need to know whether the mortgage is going to get paid, or I need to know whether I have to write a check and whether you've given me power of attorney to write those checks for you. And then dig into the really 
you know, really, you know, details of this, of their finances to, you know, like the, like you said, the accounts, what are your, what accounts do you have? What sort of debt do you have? What sort of insurance do you have? This is where they might resist a little bit more because I mean, this is really sensitive personal information. So you don't have to say, give it to me, just write it down, mm-hmm. make right, a list, safe. write it down and put it someplace safe so that I can access it if I need it. I do know parents, and I I will tell you this, I do know parents who give their kids this information. They give them an updated spreadsheet every six months. There are parents out there who do it. Most parents are not, but if you can at least get them to write it down, put it someplace safe and tell you where it is, then you are in such a great position in case they do need your help. And you have a list that I love, a comprehensive list in the back of the book of all these things that you should really be thinking of. So it's not like you have to sit down and go, what should I be knowing? You get the book, you get the list. It's a, it's a great resource. So, um, okay. So, uh, last, uh, last question. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, we, and I told the people this in the intro, we knew each other for two years in high school. That's it freshman and sophomore year. Cause I moved away from Kentucky to California. And so I've only, I don't even think we went to middle school together. Um, I'm going to say you were the nicest person in all of high school, which I'm sure you've heard probably your entire life. Have you heard that your entire life? Like you're the <laughs> nicest person ever. I don't know if I've heard that I'm the nicest person ever. I really appreciate the compliment. I mean, people have said that I'm nice. I don't know if they've said nicest person ever though. Oh yeah. The nicest person ever. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you remember from two years of high school with me? What do you remember about me at all? Anything. Could be one word. You were a skateboarder. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You were a photographer, right? That's you were true. already shooting pictures then. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Um, I feel like, though, we went to junior high together, too. Maybe we did. Maybe we did. Bowling Green Junior High School, you went yes. there? Okay, yes. Okay, so we were there together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But you know, here's a funny, here's a funny thing though. I felt like, I felt like you were there with me longer in high school. I don't, I felt like it was more than just two years. Only two, only two. I do. Because I feel like, I feel like I knew you well enough that it had to be longer than that. But I think, you know, one of my biggest disappointments in high school was the three times you turned me down to go to prom. <laughs> no, there, that's not true because you would have, if you left at the end of your sophomore year, we couldn't have even gone to prom. I know. I'm You're just making up. that up. <laughs> I know. Believe me, I was not out of the dance floor. I was on the side with a camera, thank God, because, you know, I'm not a big dancer. But uh, Cameron, incredible book. I really am deeply impressed by this. Everybody needs to get it. I know these questions are not new. People have been dealing with this for tons of years. Um, but they're new to me because of my age and where my parents are. And so I appreciate your investment of putting this together. So great job. Thank you. And I, I just, I really want people to realize how important these conversations are because most people don't, we don't think about it. We're so worried about even like staying on top of our own finances. The last thing we're thinking about is our parents' finances, but I know these conversations can be difficult, but if you don't have them, the consequences of not having them are so much worse. They really are. So I encourage everyone to get past their fears. Of course, buy my book. It'll help you do that, hopefully, and, and start having these conversations. 
Absolutely. All right. The name of the book, Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. That is a great title. How to Have Essential Conversations with Your Parents About Their Finances, available June 25th on Amazon. Don't wait to buy it on June 25th. Buy it now because it helps uh, the book in terms of its rankings. So you should definitely get it right away. All right. Thanks so much, Cameron. Thank you. Even though I read a pre-release PDF version of Cameron's book, I pre-ordered the print version myself because I want to support her and I'll probably end up getting my wife to read the book as well. It's released on June 25th, 2019. If you're listening to this before that date, head on over to Amazon and pre-order it now. You'll find the link in our show notes. You can swipe up on your phone, click right on that Amazon link and order it. The name of the book is Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, How to Have Essential Conversations with Your Parents About Their Finances. Also, I want to encourage you to share this episode with a friend. You know your friends or family members or maybe a coworker who has parents that are alive and maybe they haven't talked to them about their finances yet. Now's the time. Share this episode with them. This will be a great resource to get them to begin to think about how to have that conversation. So tell them to listen to the episode and subscribe to the Inspiration Rising podcast on the Apple Podcast or Google Podcast apps on their smartphone, or they can always listen on our website at insporising.com. All right, talk to you next time.